the 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 mealworms tasted like fries. And uh everybody to the bull and the badger podcast uh damn it <laughs> we switched roles where no you didn't i right. do it best up and you do it perfectly you you started to trail off i feel like at podcast you were getting <laughs> you're like unsure of yourself like you were somewhere else suddenly well the bull and the badger is a podcast where asian american health and dang it Vanessa! I'm trying not even to look at you. I'm trying to, like, look away. Where Asian American culture and mental health intersect. Did it! (laughs) Did it! (laughs) Third time's the charm. So, I have to say that I've been very excited about our recording of this episode for several reasons. First of all, we're going to talk about food. And, I mean, boom, boom, is, boom. what else do we like to talk about? Nothing else. Nothing else. We only like to talk about Maybe food. Maybe Joss Whedon things and food. <laughs> if it's food that has appeared on a Joss Whedon show or movie. All the better. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, I actually, I want to ask you a question, Vanessa. Let's I want to know about your internet habits. So, say you go to a blog or, you know, you follow somebody that you really like how interactive are you? Do you send, do you like posts, like comments or whatever? I'm pretty passive. Really? I, I'm not a big reader of the blogs. Like people have like things like that pop up in their RSS feed. I don't even know how that stuff works. <laughs> I literally am like, I'm kind of like for someone who has to work with technology, I'm pretty, you know, I'm, I mean, not that I'm like an IT person, <laughs> but like, you know, like I have to know cameras. I have to know editing software. I have to know all these different things like across a wide variety of you know um machinery (laughs) but i i don't interact with blogs like more it's more likely that somebody will send me something from a blog and the only other thing i do is look at facebook and Mm -hmm. that's where i'm connected to these other right where's this going (laughs) well i i was gonna say because for me and i wanted to know you know what your experience was like i'm like the definition of a lurker like i just like obsess over certain sites and certain people but i never ever ever interact because i just i'm so like private and this i is starting feel like to bode well <laughs> by I the feel, way i'm a stalker i'm an internet stalker i feel like stalker. there's such a uh uh distance between me you know and the person who is presenting something that i'm consuming you know in some way like John, when he hears this, is going to laugh because, like, it doesn't take a lot for me to get starstruck. Like, you know, he is, I, when I would go to see plays um, of that he'd worked on, you know, he would first introduce me to people. And then, you know, I just know them as a person and say, hi, it's so nice to meet you. I've heard so much about you. And then I'd see them perform on stage. And then suddenly they're like this famous person that I can't stand being around because it's too like they're too, too much glorious too glorious they shine too brightly you to and like i'm just a mere, a mere you know <laughs> human mortal and the same with person. bloggers even though you can't really see these people like just yeah i mean just everything every like you know whoever is creating something like when i'm on the other side is like the consumer the the audience like 
whatever. All this to say that I'm very excited because I am crossing this boundary and I've contacted someone who I've been a huge, huge, huge fan of. Did it. (laughs) Did it. (laughs) Doing so many things today. He is a, a food blogger, a food critic. Um, among many other things, I'm very sure. And I'm so excited to have him here. And I just like worked up the, the chutzpah. The chutzpah to reach out and invite him here. And he is here. And I'm so, so they, glad you did. Yeah. I'm like really ecstatic that you did it. Cause honestly, I mean, I, I'm not bold about those things. I'm just going to keep on singing your praises and not letting you do actually it, come in and it. say anything because I mean, I'm looking at your blog with all of your reviews and kind of going down the the um, the uh, list of eateries that you've reviewed. And so many of them are like, I would have never known or ever had any kind of context for these places were it not for your site. So, and I don't know. I've really been thinking for a long time about this introduction and I just kind of bungled it all. No. But... I hope that my ex- my enthusiasm is is coming across. So please She's welcome drooling, guys. our special guest Edwin Gui to the podcast. Nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank Yay. you for being here. So, do you feel weird now that I've heaped all this praise upon you? Um, a little, <laughs> because uh, to be honest, like you know, when I started the blog, it, it, it was one of those things that I just did for myself, uh-huh. never imagining that I would actually get readers, uh-huh. let alone like lead to uh, an actual professional gig reviewing restaurants. Um, so <clears throat> it's it's still really surreal to me, even though I've been doing you know OC Weekly reviews for eight years now, and the blog itself for. Uh, I think uh, maybe about more than ten years now. Wow! So, so I'm really grateful for being, you know, for for readers, you know, and and that that people like you are still reading because, um, you know, with anything, peanuts eating something. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I think she's eating. Um, <laughs> Is he chewing a cord? No, it's just like her toy. Oh, His oh, toy. Okay. If it's fluff, it's fine. Oh, it's fluff. It's okay. Yeah. Anyway, it'll come right out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm looking at uh, April's dog, and she's he's adorable. <laughs> he's pretty adorbs. Yeah. Like so, when at, we're at my house, like he'll just jump into someone's lap, and it'll immediately calm the guest. Do you need that? Do you want the dog? <laughs> There's a therapy aid. <laughs> So, Edwin, you mentioned that you've been at OC Weekly um, for eight years now. Yeah, yeah. And um, basically doing a review just about every week, um, doing a daily blog post every day, <clears throat> and um, the occasional like profile of like uh, local chefs or local food personalities, you know, stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's, been, it's connected me with a lot of like uh, not necessarily like personal relationships with restaurants because I usually try to distance myself away from that because I am going to be reviewing most of these places. But um, uh, certainly I've met a lot of like, you know, like-minded food lovers, uh, most of whom actually work for Hoaxie Weekly. Really? So, yeah, it's been great. Well, that's, it's good. Then you guys can all go out to eat together. Yeah, you know, surprisingly, um, um, I'm... <clears throat> I'm actually a, a bit uh, removed from the OC Weekly staff since, since I'm actually a little bit of a, I'm more of a, a um, what do you call it, um, 
not a contractor, but a freelancer. A free, a freelancer right. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, but once a year, you know, I, I try to, you know, meet up with them and just catch up with everything that's going You're on. Like, hi guys, I'm here. Hi. Yeah, it's me. <laughs> I still work here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm alive. Can you talk um, a little bit about your blog? That's kind of where that's the genesis, I guess, of this, uh, this kind of career, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, um, it all started. There's a uh, there. There used to be this, uh, and I think there's it's still there. It's called um, Chowhound.com, which is um, the precursor to Yelp. Before Yelp was, or, you know, uh, hit it hit it big. Chowhound.com was basically where you went to kind of share food finds, you know. And um, I was a a really active member of that. I think uh, back in 20, 2005, for sure. Um, uh, but around that around around that time when I actually got very very involved in it, um, my handle was Elmo Monster. That's why uh, my blog is called Monster Munching, and my handle is Elmo Monster. Uh, Chowhound kind of had um, a database change. It actually like wanted to like uh, change from one platform to another. So I realized, hey, you know, if, if this is going to happen, since I do um, work in that kind of technology, you know, field. Uh, I'm probably going to lose a lot of my posts. So I decided I'm going to just archive all these posts that I did on Chahan into my own blog. Oh, cool. And that kind of got me started. And I, write, I realized, hey, you know, I can put pictures in there, too. <laughs> so yes. so once, once I put pictures in, people responded to these posts uh, much more than they actually did in Chowhound. And from there, it kind of just, um, you know, blew up. And I'm, I'm realizing, you know, I'm getting uh, <clears throat> uh, like 30 comments per post and I'm, you know, it, it just boggles the mind like that, you know, if there's 30 people actually commenting, that means, you know, times, you know, 50 or something right. are actually reading. Right. And that, that uh, you know, that, that actually blossomed into uh, an OC Weekly. Well, the first time I actually wrote for OC Weekly was because I wrote a review of a sushi place down here in Costa Mesa called Sushi Subucho. Is it still here? It's still here. And it's still one of my favorites. Um <clears throat> And uh, so I wrote the review in com- uh, completely in haiku. So uh, from, from, from every course that I, that I ate there, uh, basically I had this haiku poem going on. And um, who happened to be reading um, was uh, Gustavo Ariano, who's uh-huh. actually the OC Weekly editor now. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, he kind of like, you know, um, contacted me, hey, you know, this is actually pretty good. You, you, you mind if we put it in my pa- our paper? We'll pay you. And I said, awesome. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that, that was surreal because, you know, I read him all the time. He was... Yeah. Oh, he's great. I yeah. love him. So it, that, that, that kind of started the ball rolling, but it wasn't until two years later when Gustavo actually got a little bit, bit, a little bit too busy with his own book tour and um, that uh, they needed somebody to kind of help out with the the OC, you know the the restaurant reviews so it was then that I kind of jumped in um, you know put in a, cu- a couple samples and they said hey when you're you're in yeah you're, you're going to be our critic awesome well what I love so much I mean my experience with your reading your blog was I came down to Orange County in 2004 when I got the job and I was you know, for a year and a half, I lived in Santa Ana with family and friends, and I knew nothing about like restaurants or anything around here. And I was so afraid to leave my little area. Like I couldn't go far away and there wasn't, I don't think that there was Yelp yet in 2004. And so I kind of just kind of drove around and like, I'd find like a Korean place that like was kind of not that great, but at least it was close enough to something that like I enjoyed, you know? And then a couple years later, I moved to Irvine 
And I found your blog and it just opened up this whole other world, you know, my immediate surroundings. And not only that, but I feel like you were your context. And I don't know if maybe it's too presumptuous to say this, but I feel like you're writing from a context that I was part of, you know, like you, I don't think you're ever explicitly writing like as an Asian American, but you know, you went to a lot of different Asian places and like, which I feel like a lot of places, a lot of where you read reviews don't actually, you know, do that. It's kind of like, you know, one Asian place for four other, you know, non-Asian places. But this is like very specific and totally something that I learned from. And, you know, yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. Because, I mean, that's that's kind of like where I was coming coming from. I, I, uh, <clears throat> I really didn't live in Irvine or um, this area mm-hmm. for most of my life. I actually lived in... Um, La Habra. I mean, it, it's Orange County, but it's far removed from what we are, what we're, what life is like down here. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so I, I, I too basically looked around to see, like, you know, what's good, what's you know, uh, what's worth my money, what's like, uh, what's the most popular, and and that's kind of why I put it on uh, on the blog. Not 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 just because to sh- not because I um, I wanted to. <clears throat> necessarily review become a restaurant review but that's just one that's just share these places right. yeah <coughs> excuse me but um it's just uh uh one of the things that i think i i really am surprised that this blog actually became is that uh, it actually um uh helped a lot of people out like for example this place called cafe hero in cyprus yeah. Oh, yeah. um uh i think i well at least i hope that uh, you know the exposure that they got from the readers that read my blog helped them like last this all these years and became more and more popular. Right. Yeah. So so I mean it's like um, I just want to highlight places that I think are worth uh, like championing. Right. Yeah. T- tell me about okay because I'm from LA and I think like the food scene there is like. It's there's something there's always something opening, you know, like there's this or that that's happening. And I don't really think about the OC food scene like the closest I get is to thinking about South Bay, like Torrance and things like that. Mm -hmm. But it seems and then like from reading the blog, it just seems like there's a lot happening in Orange County because I think of when I think of Orange County, I think of large strip malls and I think of like you know, like chain places. So can you you break down like what's happening out there? Yeah, that's exactly what. um, I, I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually exactly why I started the blog as well. And and back in the uh, old Chauhan message boards, a lot of the people that were posting about Orange County would kind of they weren't from Orange County, and some even some of the people who were talking about Orange County, they would talk down about Orange County. They would say like you know oh there's you know there's chilies and sizzler and <laughs> and applebees that's what you get in orange county you have to go to la to get real food i mean shout that's, out to sizzlers though <laughs> yeah i i love sizzler by I the love way sizzler. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> but at least at least when when i was you know a kid i haven't been to sizzler yeah, in 20 right. years but I, I still have fond memories of sizzler so yeah age eight <clears throat> it's so, still great I've been exactly recently. um so, <laughs> So, so uh, one of the things that I, I think um, myself and a lot of other uh, Chowhounders, OC Chowhounders at the time, did was you know stick up for Orange County. Look, look if you if you if you want um, ter- you know like a standard old teriyaki, then you're gonna and, and you're not looking um, 
hard enough, uh, or you're not looking, or you're not like listening to what people are saying on this on this chowhound board, then you're going to get bad teriyaki. But look at look, look at this place. Look at um, you know um, Honda Ya in Tustin or uh, Capo Honda in Fountain Valley. You know th those are straight up authentic. Uh, um, izakaya places that you probably find in, in Little Tokyo, and you do find in Tokyo. In fact, uh, Honda Ya opened in Little Tokyo um, not too long ago, yeah. you know, a second branch. Yeah. So it's, it's just, uh, so it's the kind of thing that, um, that a lot of the OC chowhounders, including like uh, people, I don't know if, you've, uh, if um, you've read other blogs such as Professor Salt, or yeah, these are the people that actually came up to, you know, um, doing blogs around the same, same time I did. They did the same thing. They basically just champion all these OC places that you can get authentic food. And where else can you get like you know, um, like uh, the best Vietnamese food than right. than here? Yeah, Garden Grove. Well, I, I mean, like two things that come into my mind as we're talking about this. I totally forgot that I used to drive to Fountain Valley, which from Arcadia back when I was living in Arcadia, like was quite a quite a drive, you know, but that was the first place that, um, Shinsengumi oh, right. had landed mm -hmm. and like, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, like the idea of this tonkatsu broth, you know, done for like more than 24 hours or whatever. And they would throw it out if it wasn't good enough. Like right. that was so foreign. And now there's this explosion of ramen and, right. you know, like people are really in it. And, um, and at one point, at some point we're going to have to get the ramen, ramaniac, also Ramaniac. on Ramaniac, um, who's uh, a friend of our friend Barrett's. <laughs> so, so uh, I'm a fan of his, by the way. He's awesome. We should have you guys at the same time. <laughs> but I feel like it's like a Jet and Sharks moment, like LA versus OC. No. We'll make you guys arm wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, it'll be with after having eaten a full bowl of ramen. Yeah, that'd oh, be pretty rough. randomly, have you been to those places? Um, the I forgot what is it called, Chakenabe? No. It's like, um, it sounds like, uh, I, I texted you about that or emailed you about that. It's like, um, it's almost like a shabu shabu, but specifically made for sumo wrestlers. Oh yeah. Yeah. Is I, that, am I saying you're wrong? Um, well, I, I know the dish is nabe, uh -huh. um, but there's a, a, a couple of places that actually do that here. Yeah. I think there's one actually maybe in garden grove or something like that. Maybe fountain Valley, but yeah, there's one place oh, wow. that does it. Haven't mm -hmm. been there yet, but mm -hmm. I told Vanessa that we have to go there. Yes. Yeah. We just, that's one of our things. It's just like go try new food. And, and um, before I go into Orange County and how I'm supposed to learn how to love it, like like how to learn to love the bomb, but like um, Cafe Hero, you still haven't taken me there. You still haven't really? showed me the uni pasta. No, mm. I'm just... <laughs> Vanessa's looking yeah. away derisively. <laughs> yeah, it's, there's a lot of unhappiness and you disappointment. You know what? If what? you came down here more, we would go to Cafe Hero. And it's actually kind of far from here. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, the other thing is, um, I think a lot of people don't know how diverse... I went there for my graduation dinner, lunch. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and we still haven't gone. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was just there two nights ago. Really? Yeah. Do you always what do you, do you always order the same thing or do you? I typically order the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh. I I think I've ordered everything on the menu, but it it always go it always, it always goes back to the uni spaghetti. Yeah. And the osabuco and mm. and some and, and one of my favorites actually is the uh, the 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 katsu curry. Uh huh. Which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's one of the one of the curries that I think would be the benchmark. I mean, I, I would put it up put it up against uh, curries I've had in Japan. Wow, it's that Whoa. good. 
Wait, yeah. is it the curry itself or is it the katsu it's that both. makes it? Yeah, ah. like the katsu is perfectly cooked. It's like um, they, they use good quality pork and they even has like just a, a it's rimmed with fat on the edge, which oh, yeah. which you can eat or not. You choose eat to eat or not to eat. I always yeah. choose to eat it. And then uh, <laughs> good, the curry, good on you. Good yeah. on you. And the the curry itself is just you know like creamy. It's not too spicy. It's yeah. um, and if you really really want it spicy, you can they can make it spicy. Oh, but cool. it's just nuance in every way. Wow. Yeah. I always oh get gosh. that many spaghetti. Can we just like take pauses in this podcast to like go try these places? <laughs> I, I honestly the 10 just, hour long podcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why didn't we think of doing that? Like start like way And it early? just ends with us snoring because yeah. we've eaten ourselves too into much. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the Orange County, oh dear God. Um, but Orange County is like one of the most diverse places in America, just um, with a lot of the, I think, uh, refugee populations that have come through, but also like there's a large um, Muslim population and there's, so there's a lot happening like diversity race, racially wise to, to maybe help with this food scene, right? I mean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can pretty much get about every cuisine in the world in Orange County, I think. And um, you were talking about Little Arabia. Yeah, that's that's definitely like uh, one of the jewels of, of this area, along with Little Saigon. Um, the one thing that I don't think we have is um, uh, a little Filipino town or something like that. But it's it's starting. Um, Irvine is becoming a little bit um, more Filipino centric than than Anaheim. So it's like mm. uh, with Seafood City coming in, you know. Oh there's, yeah. yeah. You know what I noticed about Filipino places at least in Orange County, like, I mean, in general, most Filipino places are like the buffet style, you know, where you right, like Right, the two or true, yeah. Yeah, the two combo, item combo, whatever. And um, there are only a couple places near to like West Covina where there are actual restaurants. And I don't know, I found that like the food at these smaller places are still really good most of the time, but like I don't, kind of don't really want to go there as often because mm. like, I don't know. But there's a Pinoy Pinay that's in Artesia or Cerritos. It's one of those that's like clean and good. Yeah, Artesia well, is the where, yeah, it's actually the, it, it's, it's where I go when I, want, when I want Filipino food. And it's, um, uh, it's, there, there's this place that used to be called Magic Walk. Have you ever heard of it? Mm-mm. It's now called um, something else. It's called um, Crispy House. But they specialize in this um, whole uh, pork leg that's been brined and then they and then they deep fry it and then they just give it out to you this in this big old piece and then you're just like tearing off <laughs> is that like like do it yourself lechon like pretty much it's like crispy that pata. yeah crispy pata oh. i mean that's his but, eyes yeah. <laughs> seriously i'm just like like let's cut let's go to <laughs> what are we doing recording a podcast i know so lame <laughs> There's so much food knowledge being dropped right now. Um, I kind of want to uh, go back a little bit because we talked a little bit, you know, about the genesis of your blog and your career. But let's talk about your background, too. Like, you know, um, where did you grow up? Like, where where did you get this um, expertise on food? As with every, I think, uh, person who, like, you know, uh, come from comes from an Asian background. I mean, I, I don't think any anyone I know that that I'm friends with, you know, um, 
doesn't love food and Otherwise doesn't love you to talk would, about it. You don't want to be friends with those people, right? Uh, that's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we'd have nothing to talk about. But um, so my background is actually um, I'm from Indonesia. Uh, grew up here uh, since the age of eight, Blahapur um, Fullerton. Um, and I went to UCI to, for an engineering degree and as well as a master's in business. Uh, my day job is actually as an engineer. Um, and so the OC Weekly thing is, is just basically, uh, you know, like my, my superhero identity at night. <laughs> you know? And um, it's, been, it's been great. It's just basically a balance of like, you know, um, <clears throat> like a technical work during the day and kind of creative work at night. So that's, that's kind of my story. Um, when you were growing up, what kind of food were you eating? I mean, you mentioned that you had moved here when you were eight. And a lot of my friends, you know, who moved here when, you know, when they were younger versus being born here, like, um, a lot of them ate, like, very, their ethnic cuisine, like, all, the, all throughout growing up. And they were like... They wanted my spaghetti. You know what I'm saying? They wanted my linguine and my um, like Mexican American food. Stuff. Yeah, because I was getting exposure to like a lot more different stuff. Um, but w- what were you eating when you were growing up? Um, pretty much whatever my mom cooked. And usually that's Indonesian food. Um, you know, there's, there's always, you know, uh, overlap because Indonesian food actually has, has a great influence. It's been greatly influenced by like Dutch food cuisine oh, right so you know we we would eat steak with potatoes fried potatoes and, and that's like a natural bridge to like what we see here like you know burgers and fries and and you know i certainly have had my share of burgers and fries. I, mean, I think the first meal we had when we came here was mcdonald's and um and uh you know there's there's not there's not like um a lot of um restrictions on what we would have to eat i mean whatever whatever she can cook we would eat, and it's typically Indonesian food. Like, um, but Indonesian food is really not that much different from like any other Asian food. It's basically stir fries, rice, soups, you know, noodles, you know, that kind of stuff. And I feel like Indonesia is one of those. I mean, and a lot of places in Asia are like melting pots, pots for cuisine. Like, I know that in Singapore, there's like a specific name for Singaporean Chinese cuisine. I'm wondering if there's the same kind of you know, uh, influences, um, because I know that um, Indonesia is, you know, primarily um, a Muslim country, so there's right. a lot of halal going on, but there's also, right. like, yeah, the Indonesian Chinese, and I'm sure there's some Japanese influences as well. There is a lot. Um, there's a lot of, um, as I said, Dutch influences. Um, there's a lot of um, Malay influences, but mm-hmm. Indonesian food, if, if you've never had it, it's, it's sort of like a cross between Thai and Indian so it's a little like Thai, but it's also a little funkier, has a lot more spices. And uh, one of the most interesting characteristics of in, in, about Indian, I'm sorry, Indonesian food is that, you know, you cook it one day, you leave it alone, and then, and then you reheat it, and then you eat it the next day. That's, that's how you eat in, in Indonesian food. You kind of want the, the spices to marry. Oh, yeah, so that's it's, uh, so awesome. I think that's probably why it doesn't translate well. Um, to American palates because like in American palates when you go to a Thai restaurant you order something you expect them to make it right there and then uh-huh. quick stir fry here it is you know uh-huh. so with Indonesian food it's a little more I guess soulful um, if, 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 if there's a word for it so one of the things I write about in my blog whenever I write about Indonesian food is how people just can't seem to get it Some can't you know it, it's, it hasn't 
has it hasn't had the um, the the gateway dish like pad thai or pho or chow mein that that people can actually grab onto mm. and then kind of just uh, start discovering new dishes from there. So I wish that, I hope that changes, um, you know, in in a couple of years. Wait, you want somebody to commodify Indonesian food, though? You want someone to like completely mess up your cuisine, though? <laughs> well, no, but uh, if that if that's the way it has to be, if that's the way that um, Indonesian food gets accepted and you know gets kind of um, popularized, then so be it. I mean, it's it's like tacos, like you know, oh. Taco Bell, um, arguably does not does not make Mexican food. But because people have been growing up with tacos and burritos a la Taco Bell, now they're, you know, realizing, hey, you know. Street tacos. Street tacos are much, well, you know, like um, the authentic tacos. Not necessarily street, but basically like, you know, the, the tacos that you can get at a taqueria or a burrito that you can get from from you know, any of the hole in the walls in Santa Ana. Hey, that's really good, good stuff. That's better than Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. You know. True that. Oh, like you, you need you need a gateway, basically. Gateway, right? Well, what, sorry. Oh, I was just gonna ask. Sorry. Uh, one last thing about Indonesian food. If you had to propose a gateway into in- Indonesian food, what would it be? What dish? That is a great question. <laughs> um, I would I would think it would be this dish called gado gado. It's fun to say. That's what uh, Kristen said. We had an, I had another friend who is Dutch Indonesian. Oh yeah. 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 It's 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 really easy. Um, to make yourself, and um, it's also one of the dishes that is pretty consistent um, wherever you go that serves Indonesian food. It's basically like a, a salad, but it's a cooked salad. So uh-huh. all this stuff that's in it isn't raw, mm-hmm. like uh, cabbage, um, like snake beans and potatoes, and um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of blanking on the other ingredients, but basically all of that is put on a plate. And then there's this peanut sauce, which most people are already familiar with, with the you know, saute at Thai restaurants. Mm-hmm. But the, it's a different kind of peanut sauce that actually has a little more, uh, um, I want to say, I think it's, it's uh, kaffir lime leaf. So it has, it has a, a lighter, Tart. a tartar, a, a little more floral taste to it. They douse that over this dish, um, pile on a couple of shrimp crackers, and that's your dish. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the only reason why I don't think that would really catch on so fast is it doesn't look attractive. It's basically a, a bunch of brown goop on a plate <laughs> that looks, you know, not so... It, it, it doesn't look great. Yeah. It's <laughs> not a sexy imagine. dish. No, it's not a sexy <laughs> dish. But it's a, a wonderful, healthy dish right. that I think um, if people caught on to it, you know, it'll be the, the start of an, a whole new thing. Wait, there's shrimp chips on it? There's shrimp chips on it. Like, not shrimp crackers, like the little, like, like weird, like, weirdly shaped, like, Calbee. You know not those. Yeah, it, it like, has the same the, flavor, but the it's... crispy, like, they're almost like potato chips, but they're lighter. Right. Oh. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, right? They come in, like, weird colors, like, pink and green and white. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh. yeah. It's the same, the same chips that they actually put on the edge of, like, um, like picking duck. duck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. See? This is where we pause again. <laughs> also, this is where we get Kristen back to eat gado gado with us. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. She's never offered to make it for us. I just want to... Sorry, Kristen. Calling you out. I just think that if you're going to tell us about, about a really... A duck. Of a duck. Of a really amazing dish, then we have to try it like right away. Yeah. At the end. Well, speaking of like commodification or popularization of certain um, cuisines... I know that we wanted to talk about like Yelp and Asian people bringing it sort of back to the Asian American. Yeah. 
So what do you have to say about that? Wait, we're not talking about amazing foods anymore? Well, no, I, I had a question because like this has been burning in my mind because, you know, I'm, I'm convinced that, you know, Asian Americans are changing the food scene from uh, a blogging and consumption perspective, but also from um, a creation perspective. And I think it has to do with being Asian or Asian American. And the idea that um, the, like, French and Italian cuisine has been thoroughly, I think, examined and, like, understanding what that is. And people had more access to it because they wanted to understand it. It was more like you know, what a lot of people's backgrounds happen to be, or it was like, like, you know, French cuisine has been in vogue. But like, um, I remember the man who started Scoop's ice cream. His name is Ty, and I totally forgot his last name. Do you, have you had Scoop's ice cream no, in LA? But um, he, he, he went to France to learn how to, you know, um, he, to learn the cuisine. And then he came back and he made this amazing ice cream shop where, you know, it's all about mixing weird flavors. So like chocolate and wasabi and like strawberry and balsamic vinegar. And he was like kind of pushing that, those kinds of um, unique combinations and that idea of experimentation. And, you know, he was saying that there's like three ways to do cook in, 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 in the French cuisine, you know, like three like very set ways. And then with the Chinese, there's 39. You know, like there's so much um, richness and, and cultural history with cooking that comes with, I think, having an Asian or Asian American background that, you know, helps push. So from the blogging perspective, I feel like people recognize, you know, Asian and Asian American bloggers as having some kind of expertise. You know, and then there's the aspect of consumption where, you know, a lot of Asian American, like, young adults are just, they have more disposable income. So what they're spending their time and f- money on is food. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then reviewing it. And everybody's, mm-hmm. there's, there's this democratization of, like, my opinion actually matters about, you know, what the best dim sum place is or the best sushi or, like, even Italian food, you know. And, and, and there wasn't that before, mm-hmm. for sure. And mm-hmm. then, you know, you have chefs like... Um, David Chang and and restaurateurs like um, uh, Ming Tsai is a chef. Yes, Ming Tsai is a chef. <laughs> we have to. Talk well, let's let's yeah let's let's bring it back to East Sweat. <laughs> but like um, God, what's his name? It's Roy Choi and is it Sung Kang or am I mixing him up with the actor? I don't know. You know you know what I'm talking about. He's the guy who did Father's Office and Luke Shawn, and he's doing all these other kind of like fusiony kind of things. But yeah, you know, like there's just this trend from all sides that is... Sang Yoon. Sang Yoon, yeah. Sorry, not the actor from Fast and Furious <laughs> who's constantly eating. Sang Yoon. Jeez, I can... Man, I wonder how long I've been saying Sung Kang. That's really <laughs> shameful. It's like saying uh, Cho Chang. It's like, yeah, I don't actually know these names. Okay, anyways, I'm sorry. So I, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts. And I know that you're one of your... Um, fellow colleagues at the OC Weekly um, had recently written an article about that. But I'm curious, like, as someone who started maybe eight years ago before uh, uh, Yelp was popular, and but you were part of the Chowhound movement, I think that was one of those kinds of tipping points, right, for this kind of Asian-American invasion of the food scene. Yeah, I mean... Um I didn't notice it back then uh, because I think more of the Asian places like um, that were popular around here were unsung. We were, were basically like headed by unsung chefs who no one knew the name of. Mm-hmm. Um, these days, like uh, you know, 
with, yeah, you mentioned Charles Lamb. He actually wrote a very good article about Asian American um, entrepreneurs into the restaurant scene in OC, and there's a lot of them. Um, so um, I have definitely seen a change, and I, I don't, I, I don't know if it, um, it's attributable, attributable to Yelp uh, popularizing these um, new restaurateurs, but I certainly wouldn't be surprised that it was, if it was. But um, uh, you know, just a case, an example, um, and I don't know if his name is is going to be as famous as his actual franchise. Uh, but Thomas Pham, he is actually a Vietnamese American. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming from from his last name, um, but he is going to be opening up 50 or more of the Halal Guys um, wow. oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. franchise here in Southern California. And you know, um, as as everyone knows, well, anyone who's actually been to the corner of Palerino and Bristol right now, like there's a crowd of people there just lining up for this one falafel stand. <laughs> And, uh, you know, and, and that's all because of Yelp, probably, most likely, and also from, you know, from social media like Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram. But, mm-hmm. um, uh, but it was, I think, him, Thomas Pham, that recognized there's a market for this food. So it's not necessarily just, I, for me, I don't think it's necessarily um, um, Asian food in general because um, a, um, Leonard Chan, who's actually like... Um, probably one of the most prolific restaurateurs that we have in Orange County, um, some of his restaurants are not Asian. Like, for example, he actually has this place in Soco, which is basically uh, also in Costa Mesa. Um, He's got a waffle sandwich place and an oyster bar. Um, so n- neither of them are actually Asian food, but they're getting is a it lot. Bruxy of, and yeah, shucks or whatever. Oh, uh, Bruxy is actually his. Uh, the thing is, he actually he actually thought of it, of this sandwich place uh, before Bruxy actually came around. Uh-huh. Um, his place is uh, I, uh, it's it's the name is on the tip of my tongue right now. Iron Press. Okay. Yeah. So, and uh, he's he's actually been a lot uh. Uh, been busy in downtown Fullerton too, like developing concepts there. Uh-huh. So you're right. There's a lot of Asian and American, you know, names that are actually like blowing up all over the place. And Roy Choi himself, you know, you know, he's um, he's he. I, I believe uh, was went to school in Orange County and kind mm-hmm. of like you know, started his his truck in L.A. But you know, eventually, it was it was a lot of Orange County. Um, people that were going up there to try his, you know, uh, Korean tacos. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, and I also have to give a shout out to Brian Ng, who got his start, you know, working with Nancy Silverton and things right. like that. And, you know, um, now my cousin's working for him. Yay. Which is why I have to say, because like, um, I mean, that's interesting that you point out that, you know, like in terms of Asian restaurateurs, they're not just focused on Asian food. Like they can still be considered as experts and like fine purveyors mm-hmm. of, you know, like, different cuisines and um it's it's funny because you know i think i i'm trying to figure out what makes this this moment different do you know what i'm saying like is it just that is it like a perfect storm of all these three um kinds of things coming together because before this you have you have asian food and it's kind of I feel like it's a little ghettoized, like in terms of the way that people interact with it. It's like, oh, you want to try something different, you know, like, or you have your corner Chinese food that's going to be, you know, like chow mein, chow mein and like Kung Pao chicken and, you know, like gyozas and gyozas are like Japanese, by the way. But like, and then you have like, you know, like your Japanese places that often when you think of Japanese food, 
it's those, and it's like teriyaki. It's actually Korean people who own those restaurants, right? But now there's almost like, like it's not only like this trendy new American stuff, but it's also like very high class dining kind of, you know, that's happening with, um, yeah, just Asian Americans wanting to eat that kind of food too. I don't know. Do you, do you do you see? I think any? it's like the the generation that follows. Like there's like the immigrants who come over, work really oh. hard, make all this money, raise kids who then make a lot of money as like engineers and lawyers and whatever, and then now have they have with all this money and like are intensely interested in food. Yeah, there's some there's something. It's like it's as if like well we don't want to spend travel. money on that. Yeah, I have friends who are like we don't want to travel. We just want to eat really well. And they like do like you know very casual sous vides, and I'm like, what? <laughs> what? I, I don't even know. having a casual sous vide. Yeah, like you know they want to sous vide everything, you know, and like they sous vide some ribs and shared it with me. I was like, yes, please. But like it's like that level of dedication. Um, another thing is like people who are into coffee, like yeah, like you. I, I, but I don't go to the extent where I'm like, oh, like, I'm just going to try out my new Chemex or, you know, like I'm not. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's bizarre to me, but there's something about like, I can be an expert in this and it's very accessible to people. And I think there's, it must be something to do with background where either you had only one kind of ethnic cuisine and you're like, you wanted to explode and try everything or that you were already exposed to everything, you know, and that you're, you're, I don't know. I, I mean, I consider my family original Yelpers because <laughs> if you ever wanted to know what the new place was in L.A., they'd be like, oh, yeah, we tried that. I'm like, what? what's wrong with you people? What's wrong with you people? I, do, you, do you think anything in your own background um, kind of, you know, um, wanted to keep you connected to food and like even blog about it? Because mm-hmm. it's like that's something very specific. You're like somebody is interested in reading about what I have to say about food. Does that make sense? Yeah, I I mean, I didn't uh, uh, really set out to, like, you know, learn about food, but in, in actually doing the blog, I, I definitely started learning a lot more than I did before. But I've always been interested in just um, knowing, learning and knowing everything I can. I'm, uh, have any of you watched Yan Can Cook? Uh, when it was yeah, on Yan Can Cook! Yeah. <laughs> so can you. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So, so he was one of the ones that, I mean, every Saturday morning, instead of watching Saturday morning cartoons, I would be watching PBS and his oh show. Oh my goodness. That's and, amazing. And then the frugal gourmet and everything between, I think it was 11 o'clock time slot to 1 PM. I watched all of that stuff. Uh-huh. And this was before the food network came into play. Uh-huh. And, um, I just thought it was great. Everything that had to do with food, it was enlightening it was you know it made me hungry mm-hmm. and it, it it didn't it didn't like um uh it, you know in, it inspire me to actually become a cook i, I just i think i think it just inspired me to discover um you know more cultures out there and more food that's you know they're out there to discover because what's an easier way to discover a culture than eating its food trying it trying mm-hmm. like a delicacy that you may have not known about mm-hmm. Prior, I mean, and it's like uh, it's easier than learning the language. It's, it's, it's easier learning than learning about the history. Just eat the food. Right. Yeah. What's one culture that you feel like you've learned a lot about through their food? I would think it would be Japanese culture. Yeah. Um, and it's it's um, just through their food, you you kind of get the sense that you know they they value simplicity, beauty, and you know um, just uh, uh, good ingredients. You know, it's it's kind of um. The one thing that I love about Japanese food, and I think it's uh, other than 
Indonesian food because I grew up with it. I think Japanese food would be the one thing that I would want to eat you know, during my last days, <laughs> especially sushi, you know, oh. because there's nothing else. If there's nothing else uh, to look at when you're looking at sushi, you're looking at just, you know, something that came from the ocean, sliced up, put on, on onto, a, you know, like this little pellet of rice that has nothing more than vinegar and sugar in it. Mm-hmm. And it tastes excellent. It's just like the one thing that you ever... It's the best thing you can ever taste that has like the fewest ingredients. Oh. I'm, I know the answer to this, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. <laughs> Have you been to like a super fancy um, sushi place? Uh, recently, yeah. Yeah. And um, there's this place called Sushi Noguchi in Yerba Linda. Uh-huh. And um, it's, I would say it's, it is probably the fanciest, most expensive sushi place in Orange County. And um, it's probably one of the best as well. Um, you would have to pay about $100 to get, like, uh, the meal that, uh, that he offers at the top level. Basically, it's, basically, it's his omakase. His name mm-hmm. is Hiro, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he, he just comes at you with all these different uh, fishes that you've never heard of and, oh. um, like, different preparations that you've never seen, and you're just floored. By the end, it's like, wow, that was the best $100 I ever spent. <laughs> And unfortunately, I have dollars lying around. I think. Yeah, and, and I unfo- don't. That's, that's that's the one thing. Once once you realize that it's worth it, you want to go back and do it again and again. And it's it's a very bad habit. Dangerous. Well, a few years ago, I, I went to a very fancy sushi place, and it was in downtown LA. And you know, I've been eating sushi pretty much for. I don't know, at least half of my life. And so you think that you know how it's done. <laughs> you know, you watch, I've watched TV shows about it and all that stuff. But the, my date and I at the time, we, so we went to the place and it happened to be after, right after New Year's. So everyone kind of, like there was no one in the restaurant because everyone had kind of gotten their eating out, like out of their system, you know, like with all the holidays and everything. And it was like a super fancy, only opened up for at least maybe three or six months or something like that. A chef from Japan came over and it was like the most beautifully decorated place. And then you realize, and there's nobody else there. So it's just me and my date sitting at the sushi bar with the chef in front of us, you know? And so it was, you know, an accidental, like private thing, (laughs) but then we realized how much we didn't know about it because like this expert is standing in front of us watching us eat his food and we're just like uh, when do we eat the ginger <laughs> you know, at what point do we stop and like whatever so it was totally fine and it was, everything was kind of like going okay until we got the sushi with the shrimp on top of it oh, mm-hmm. and then we didn't know what to do with the tail mm-hmm. do you know what to do with the tail You're supposed to eat it right I typically don't, but I think you can. Um, I know what they do with the head. They they take it in uh, to the back and then they fry yeah. it and they give it to you. Yeah, they did that. Yeah. But so we ate it. We put it in our mouth and we took the tail off and then we just held it because we didn't know what to do. Like there was no plate in front of us. Like you know, they would give us a plate and then take it away. And so we just sat there for ten minutes, each of us holding a shrimp tail. And then after five minutes, we kind of lost our nerve and just shoved it in our mouth. And then you could see, you could hear because okay, so it was the sushi chef, ah. his you know assistant sushi chef or whatever. 
watching us. The host was in the front watching us. <laughs> the waitress and waiter were by the kitchen watching they were us. Bets. You know? They were and, like, then, and then we put it in our mouth and then you kind of see the waiter lean over to the waitress and whisper something. And we're like, oh my God, this is the most expensive and most stressful meal in my entire life. That, that sounds about right. Yeah. Because yeah. there, I mean, there's definite rules and it's like, I feel like some people are like, no, that's okay. No, don't do that. You know, it's like, I saw my friend drench um, her sushi in, like, soy sauce. So I was like, you know, but then it's like, you know, it's it's the joy of luck moment. I know. When I only yell at my boyfriend for that. <laughs> Just everything. You, you know, do you know what we're talking about? Yeah, joy, joy luck club. club. Yeah, oh, yeah. The, the soy sauce. Yeah. That's, Everyone's like, <gasps> I'm going to mention that every podcast. Every single one. <laughs> Because that same horrific, yeah, no. Um, what, what, what about you, Vanessa? Your own question to yourself. What is the one, like, culture or cuisine that you feel like you've learned so much about? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, you know, to be honest, like, eating different kinds of Chinese cuisine has always, like, and that's a thing for me because um, I do feel a little bit removed not knowing the language and being third generation. and um, But the with or the breadth of um, Chinese cuisine. And also, like, the, like, if you go, if you even talk about, you know, dim sum and the different ways you can do dim sum, or, like, you look at, like, um, Shaolong Bao, you know, like, the Mandarin kind of dumplings and, like, how different they are and how each region, you know, had an idea and then they expanded on it. So, like, you know, or or for the Cantonese, you know, we have more rice dishes. For the, the man, you know, the Mandarin dishes, it's, there's more... There's, there's lighter flavors, you know, there's more noodles, there's like, you know, it's less about the rice dishes and more about like, yeah, more that simplicity. I think that's involved with like very like straight ingredients. But for Cantonese, it's like, you know, like flavors and it's kind of brash, you know, and it, it's, um, but it's not that spicy either. Like, and that's, that's more like Shanghainese and like, you know, like, uh, um, Sichuan and things like that and even even now I'm discovering like um, you know Chinese Islamic food like that kind of stuff like it boggles my mind because you know China's so big and that that's mm-hmm. a huge reflection of like the country and 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 the the vibrant kind of diversity stuff. yeah I mean like and you know like even you know Hong Kong street food is so different than you know Shanghai street food or uh, so I, I think that's like my cop-out answer is that Chinese cuisine has taught me more about my own heritage oh that's cool yeah I guess I guess that's so. a great answer I couldn't yeah I couldn't tell you like I mean like that was so cool like that you had like those three words but you know like I think I I couldn't I think yeah, I'm I'm unable to express in a, with brevity what I've learned from Chinese cuisine. But I I think one thing that I do that I try to do with my family is always like ask them. They'll say like the name of an ingredient in Chinese, and I'll try to figure out one how to say it and two what it is. And that's also brought me closer to you know Chinese cuisine. Hey everybody, if you want to hear the Bull and the Badger's first episode on food, called Food, check out episode 103. Here is a quick sample. For Asians, we tend not to feel very much, but we um, feel a lot in our stomachs. So Asian people, we have some GI issues. We have... (laughs) True. (laughs) Not to self-disclose, but you know, that's where all of our feelings churn.
I guess one thing that we did want to like quickly touch on um, uh, with you, Edwin, was kind of this idea of um, when other, you know, the gateway foods to different cuisines. And, you know, um, we, or I was laughing with you on like our earlier conversation about like now oxtail is expensive, you know, bone marrow is expensive because these are suddenly very in vogue foods. And like, how do you feel about? I mean, I think I think we got that answer a little bit about how um, those foods that were originally gross and like if you ever got laughed at, you know, when you're bringing lunch, you know, to school, mm-hmm. like now they're like these exciting, fun things and exotic and delicious. And now people want to and by people, I mean, white people like, you know, <laughs> like they want to kind of claim it, you know, and 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 commodify it a little bit. How do you how do you feel about those kinds of trends? I'm fine with it. <laughs> um, uh, you speak about the uh, the bone marrow being like very expensive, and it's it's everywhere. Like that, you can go. I mean, if you go to a fancy restaurant, they're going to have a roasted bone marrow dish. Um, you know, that's uh, that's one thing that I kind of you know we can actually trace that back to like some a place in England that actually started doing this. It's like a, a, a chef named Fergus Henderson that uh, specialized in nose-to-tail cooking. Oh. So he realized, like, you know, uh, a lot of people are not paying good enough attention to uh, the nasty bits in an animal. They just want, like, the filet mignon, and they throw out everything else. They don't appreciate everything else. So what he did was he actually just uh, started serving the odds and ends. And one of them was this bone marrow dish that he just basically roasted, served with, like, um, like this... Uh, sour, tangy um, parsley salad and some toast, and all of a sudden, every restaurant in the in the world is serving this thing. Mm. And um, yeah, I, I mean, whatever gets a certain food um, that's underappreciated, like being appreciated by the masses, you know, I think it's great. Um, now, you know, there is a flip side to that. I mean, there's uh, there are some foods that are really meant to be like peasant food. Mm-hmm. Um, like for example, I, I you know um, uh, pho. You know, like if, if you if you see a, a fifteen dollar bowl of pho, you need to walk away from that <laughs> restaurant. So, but it's it's a it's buyer beware. If somebody is willing to pay fifteen dollars for a bowl of pho, then so you know go ahead. But you should know better than that. You should know that there's better places that charge less for the same bowl of pho, and probably it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna be much happier with that product. Did you ever go to one of those places? Expensive pho. There is a place in San Gabriel Valley that first started doing filet mignon pho. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it was, uh, I want to say it's like a 10 to $12 bowl of pho. And it actually used to be less, but they were losing money because people like figured out where to get this filet <laughs> mignon pho. But it was like kind of worth it. Really? Like, like the flavors were more delicate. Like the fat was like not as heavy you know like there's something about it that just definitely felt different but you know yeah i agree like i mean i live on the west side where we don't have access to great chinese food or certain kinds of ethnic cuisines and it's like why does this cost so much and it's because we people are willing to pay for it yeah but um yeah i don't know i kind of i kind of wish like we still had some secrets i think we do there's still a lot of secrets within different ethnic cuisines specifically all of indonesian cuisine is a secret it's still a secret still a secret but you know like it's nice to have something for yourself like are there any restaurants and you don't have to name them that you haven't blogged about because you're like i don't want this to like get too popular 
You know, yeah, there has there has been a few, um, but um, as a, my duty as a food writer is to share it. Um, so I, uh, uh, I can think of one that I actually um, uh, wrote in exactly that same way. I said, you know, I really don't want to share the, this place, but um, because it's such a great place, I'm I'm going to share it. Um, and uh, uh, it's it's actually like um, not there anymore. It was actually um, a one-off uh, restaurant that uh, a couple of doctors, an anesthesiologist, and this um, um, brain surgeon. I, I think I can't remember what the guy was, but basically, it's this couple that decided, hey, you know, we have free time in the afternoon. Let's let's make a restaurant, and they actually ended up making a really great restaurant. Um, it was called a hidden kitchen, appropriately. Um, it lasted maybe about um, about a, three months. But after that, I think I, I'm pretty sure they probably got tired of the grind. Um, but they were producing great food, and in the time that um, they were there, I, I was wishing that they actually survived and kept going. And that's that's the reason I kind of shared it. Mm. So, um, in terms of restaurants, if if I find a you know a great little place that I think. Um, is is uh, worthy of talking about. I, I usually share it. There there are there have been places that, like this place that I wanted to keep for myself because I didn't want to fight anybody for a reservation. <laughs> but for me, the um, the I, I guess it's better to actually make sure that the restaurant survives than 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 my own like desire to be. The only one there. <laughs> the only one there, and not have to fight for a reservation. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I guess like. By giving it that, you know, you're helping everybody, even if it means longer lines. Yeah. And, you know, the thing is, uh, free markets will always make sure that um, if uh, if a place gets too crowded, um, people will probably stop going to that place. And then like uh, another another restaurant will pick up the slack and make make their own restaurant mm-hmm. serving the similar thing. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of like um What's happening with um, poke? I don't know if you've ever if you've noticed the poke revolution that's going right. on right now. <laughs> There's a poke place every every corner yeah. practically. Yep. Where whereas like a couple of years ago you you couldn't you know you couldn't tell any, you know, you couldn't sell poke to people here. It's basically cube fish with a little bit of sesame oil on it. They, they just didn't get it. Right. But now, um, you know, everyone's opening a poke, cl- a poke place because this one place in, in Anaheim uh, figured out there there's a market for it. And um, and started getting customers out the door, and then people realized, hey, you know, that people would actually pay for this. And mm-hmm. from that point, you know, so like for that place, if I actually had kept that place uh, a secret, if I only knew about it, um, um, you know, uh, it would have probably well for for that place, it wouldn't have mattered. I think it was already like you know going big before I, I even discovered it. But um, I definitely wanted to have that become what it is now and uh, with that with along the same line once it's become saturated you know and people start start realizing that hey there's too many of these places it'll it'll will down again and naturally you know cool i i have two more questions yeah. but do you have anything else i don't no, want to no, no, be i don't <laughs> want to take over i guess my my two two questions are um one you know is there any way that you would do this full time? Like, is there, cause you talked about, you know, like you're an engineer during the day. And I think, you know, one thing for Asian Americans, especially is like, 
that's a dream is to have a job and be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor and like kind of have that stability. And, um, but would you ever do food blogging and food writing? You know, like if people like commissioned you to do a book and then you had to like, you know, take some time off your job, do you know what I'm saying? Like, is there any way that you would do that? And then the second thing is like out of the crazy amounts of, you know, restaurants that you've had, how many of them have been awful? Like just Terrible, terrible, terrible. Oh, I'm I'm looking forward to answering your last question because I do have a story about that that I I'd like to share now because that restaurant's gone. So, oh, thank God. So yeah, so I'll I'll tell you about that. But uh, on your first question, I um, really would love to do this full time. Um, but that being said, I love my job, uh, my day job. I love the people that I work with. I believe in what we do. And, um, um, but, you know, if, if this was a, a different life, a different universe, you know, yeah, I, I could do this full time and be happy. But to, to tell you the truth, I mean, with Yelp and, um, and the fact that, like, you know, there's, there's a blog for everything now, and, and blogs actually are just kind of falling out of favor, um, I, don't, I don't see a career in food criticking, unless you're Jonathan Gold. Um, I don't know if you've heard of him, but um, uh, he's, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Pulitzer Prize winner guy, Pulitzer whatever. Pulitzer Prize winner guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you're him or Andrew Colt, Colt no, um, I can, I'm pronouncing his name incorrectly from, uh, I believe, um, uh, Gourmet Magazine. You know, it's it's all, it's really hard to I think earn a living doing what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I really just do it for the passion of writing, passion of finding food. And the fact that OC Weekly pays my tab for all these restaurants. I was, gonna, I was wondering. I didn't want to ask. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So that, that is a, a really nice perk. And, um, you know, it, it's just uh, one of the things that I, I'm very lucky to have um, to be involved with. Like, in, I, I thank you know, Kusapa Ariano for uh, having me all these years. Um, so uh, Along that line, um, there was a restaurant that Gustavo actually asked me to review. Um, the name of the restaurant is China Mex, and it was in Yikes. downtown China Anna. And I think you can already tell what they serve. <laughs> they, they serve uh, off-the-shelf Chinese food, kung pao chicken, sweet and sour, chow mein, hot and sour soup. But they also did Mexican food like enchiladas and um, you know free fried beans and rice. Now, they put all this in chafing trays in the middle of the room. And when we arrived, they had been sitting there all day. So we got there at night around 8 o'clock. We were the only ones there. And um, the waitresses were um, Latina, but they were wearing um, Chinese dresses. (laughs) And I thought this was wild. I I was actually beside myself. Oh, this is going to be great to to write about. You know, um, anything that has this so, this much character, and, yeah, 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 yeah. and uh, in this part of town uh, where where basically all around you you have taquerias and food trucks and you know, lancheras, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. But then we tasted the food. <laughs> so as soon as we walked up to the to the buffet line, we realized, okay, the, the enchilada is, is crusted over. It looks like it's been sitting there for hours, and it <laughs> had been. And um, the Kung Pao chicken was gloopy and kind of just, you know, Ugh. the worst kind of uh, Chinese, uh, you know, takeout possible. So then we ate it politely. And, um, and then when I got home, the first thing I did was send an email to uh, Gustavo saying, you know, I cannot review this place. <laughs> I'll basically rip them apart. I don't want to do that. They seem nice people. Yeah. So, so what happened was I, I quietly just 
you know, forgot about it. And then um, I think a couple of years later, they kind of closed. Yeah. And then I started talking about it, and it's been a great story. Since. <laughs> I have a bad taste in my mouth. I can actually imagine this gloopy Kung Pao and these crusty enchiladas. Ugh. Gross. Biggest, is that one of the biggest food crimes for you, is anything that's been left out? Um, I, I, well, yeah. This, this was pretty bad. Um, but um, I think uh, um, the, the biggest food crime for me is when somebody doesn't care about what they're cooking. So you can tell when you're out in a restaurant and you realize, like, hey, this food is just, um, you know, reheated. Or this food has mm. um, kind of, uh, like, you know, came out from a Cisco container or something like that. Not, I mean, not quite thawed. Yeah, not quite thawed. <laughs> or so, something that, that's basically, like, a, a, sh- a shortcutted. You know, like, if, if something wasn't made, like, from scratch, you can tell. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there's a, that's, that, there's a lot of restaurants like that. And um, I typically, if, if I find a restaurant like that, I, I try not to talk about it. I try not to, like, bash them. But there are instances that you have to say something. And um, um, the, the, the unfortunate thing is sometimes I have a very bad memory, so I can't remember uh, other than China Mex, you know, like uh, where, where I've actually been to a restaurant that I just said, oh, wow, this is just bad. <laughs> That's okay. We'll try to figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll read the good reviews that you write first. Do you and have try a this food place. crime? Um, or a horrible place? You don't have to name it. Uh, I don't know. Actually, like I think service has a lot to do with my experience eating, and like I think you adjust your expectations depending on how much you're paying, and like so, like at Chinese restaurants, I'm like, whatever. Please ignore me. You know, you're you're probably not getting that much. I have become more sensitive to that. I think because I feel like, part, especially being in Costa Mesa, I feel like I'm, it's a different <laughs> experience than being, for instance, eating in Irvine or, you know, take a couple steps up, eating in Arcadia. Like, I, I went to Arcadia recently and I was just like, what? WTF? What is your problem? You know, and I didn't have that. I wasn't used to it. I'd gotten, mm-hmm. you know, like... Used to nicer service. Sorry, sorry, you have to slum it in Arcadia. <laughs> I was so like, <laughs> so pissed in Irvine and in Arcadia. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Costa Mesa is just nicer. I think when a, pr- a place doesn't do their signature dish well, not signature dish, but like something that should be like really straightforward, like a Thai place that doesn't do a pad Thai, right? Like, it's like, what are you even doing here? Like, <laughs> and maybe like if it's a Thai place that doesn't serve pad Thai, okay, well, great. Then don't do, don't serve pad Thai. But like, I mean, like if that is one of those things that's like expected, like, I don't know, like a pho restaurant, you know, like, and you don't, your broth isn't good. Well, like I went to a pho place cause I wanted a banh mi and they didn't serve them or they didn't have them. Oh, well, I mean, that might be usual. Not but every, yeah, not everybody, not every pho place will have a banh mi. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. The end. Or like fried rice. If you can't do a good fried rice, like a Chinese restaurant, like just go home. <laughs> just pack your bags. Everybody close it up. <laughs> it's just like, it's like there should be care and dedication in every dish, you know, as some that you should, you should care about the food you're making. And it, even if it's like the silliest dish, that's like everybody like knows and gets and like whatever, then you should still spend that time with the detail of the dish, you know, like, like, if everybody had Brussels sprouts on their menu, like, do a good Brussels sprout. Like, yeah. don't, like, just serve it because you think 
you know, that's what people want, yeah. you know, like with bacon. Yeah. And it's like, oh, done. Like how like lots of places, like different um, ethnic cuisines have chick- uh, like buffalo wings, just like this randomly thrown in thing because like people <laughs> like buffalo wings. Yeah. I don't know. Like if it's not, if it's not part of their wheelhouse, like yeah. I, I'm not like, I'm not going to be like, oh, you're, excuse me. Um. Mr. Chow, your buffalo wings. <laughs> you know, like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like blame him, but I I know that, you know, um, they're known for their buffalo wing fried rice. Then do it right, even if it's the most served thing on the menu. Maybe even more so if it's the most served thing on the menu. I would buy that buffalo wing fried rice. Yeah, <laughs> I just you just don't. I mean, like um, little ranch on the side, gross. <laughs> nope, sorry. It went in not good places. Well, Edwin, what are you like? What food are you kind of obsessed with right now? Like, you know, dish or something. um, Yeah, actually, what I'm obsessed with right now is it's not particularly a food, but a drink. Um, Uh There's this place called Cancun Juice, Uh which is uh, like a small chain of Mexican fast food. Um, in Orange County, mm-hmm. and there's one that just opened like an, on Harbor in Costa Mesa. Uh-huh. Um, and what I like to get from there is the agua frescas, uh-huh. which is basically mm. just juice. Yeah. And <clears throat> uh, what I wrote in my blog is that you know so- sometimes I get this craving for for um, smoothies. Uh-huh. And whenever I get a craving for smoothies or something like smoothies, I go to Jamba Juice, and I realize. Why am I going to Jamba Juice and getting this really sticky, sweet, <laughs> expensive? Some, and, and I'm not even I'm not even enjoying it. I you know it's a, it has a lot of calories and uh-huh. I throw away half of it. And then every so every time that I do that, I realize why don't I just get agua frescas? And I realized um, that Cancun juice is basically what I've, what I've always wanted when I wanted <laughs> smoothies. Mm-hmm. They're specifically the agua frescas. It costs two dollars. And when you order one, um, like, for example, you order a strawberry aqua fresca, they actually take strawberries, they put in the blender, a little ice, a little water, a little sugar, and then they blend it, they give it to you, and that's it. That's like what, what you drink. Wow. And, um, and every fruit that they have on the, on the aqua fresca's list is done that way, pineapple, mango, everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, that's what I've been obsessed with. And, um, and after this, I'm going to pick one up because I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm talking about it. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, you're thinking about it. <laughs> I, it's, it's not the, the aqua fresca that's like the Jamaica um, and the... Or is it? Yeah, yeah. It's actually they they do have those two things too, like horchata and, uh, but um, along with that, usually when you go to a place, a Mexican place, and they have aguas frescas, they only have the jamaica and then the horchata and tamarindo. Mm. But this place has all three and then like 15, 15 others, and uh, that's the kind of place that I'm obsessed with right now. And they also have they actually um, make very good tortas uh-huh. and. Um, you know, quesadillas and, and it's, it's, it's basically like, um, think of like, uh, you know, Rubio's, but better and cheaper. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would like to think much better Rubio's yeah. <laughs> like, uh, Rubio's. Yeah. Just kidding. What about I, you? What are you obsessed with right now? Oh, wait, you answer first. Cause you didn't answer the other question about what you're learning. I want to think about this. I think, and I think it's been like maybe a year less than I've been obsessed with it, but I'm really obsessed with like Taiwanese hot pot, like boiling point, super obsessed. And if I could go there every day, I would like, I just like the sauce that you make with like the, you know, the chili sauce and then the 
garlic soy sauce and the the <laughs> what are you doing nothing <laughs> are you it? making faces at peanut yeah no but yes <laughs> he, was, he kept making faces at me i was supposed to respond okay go on with hot I'm pot done. chilies and sauces I'm done. that's all i had to say about that yeah boiling point is actually really good oh, God. it's it's uh it's one of the things that i um I think started in Orange County, like, and then it kind of really? like uh, started like branching out to other places. Yeah, there's one in Arcadia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew about the one in Monterey Park, mm-hmm. but what about Little Sheep? Is there a Little Sheep down here? There's a Little Sheep down here. I don't like it as much. Or Hot Pot, Hot Pot. I don't. I I like the fact that Boiling Point is like a, you know you get your own thing. Mm-hmm. But mm. I could be wrong about Boiling Point starting in Orange County, but it was. Um, it, I I think it was like probably started. Uh, around the same time the one in, in San Gabriel Valley started. Mm-hmm. If I had to say I was into anything right now, like strongly, would be dumplings. Mm-hmm. But that's just I had um I had Himalayan dumplings yesterday, or ne- Nepalese. Um, they're called momos, but they're nothing like the momos that um uh, my friend. Uh, I like that momos. Yeah, that's literally what they're called. It's like so easy to say, like momos. <laughs> Yo, can I get a momo, please? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This one was a momo kothe, by the way. It's like this little tomato sauce that I guess that's what make it a kothe. But like you know, like all different kinds of dumplings. Like there's just the, the types of dumplings out there. It's like it comes in all shapes and sizes. You know, like anything where it's like. Finger food and pockets. <laughs> Meat pockets. Things that are self-contained. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I, I would be more into empanadas if like the crust wasn't so thick, but like uh-huh. dumplings are just right, you know? <laughs> they just do it right. And recently, 101 Noodle Express didn't have any more shrimp and pumpkin, which is... Pumpkin? Yeah, it's so good. Really? Yeah. You wouldn't even try their fish dumplings. Their fish dumplings are amazing. I know. I just wasn't that hungry at that time. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. We're not friends, but it's fine. <laughs> but, um, wow. Yeah, dude. I think we've run the gamut of... Well, we could probably keep talking yeah, about Yeah, we could probably food. keep going, but we should probably save some for later. Oh, food food part trace? Wait, what is, <laughs> what is, what is three and... Trois. <laughs> I mean, we're just... I think, you know, everybody... All of us are going to keep talking about food. Hopefully, we can keep talking about food. I'd love to hear more about Indonesian food. Like... We should just we should just all throw down. We should just all bring dishes. We just have a little potluck where we all eat. It has to be a sleepover because we'll be too tired to go home. <sighs> You're right. <laughs> I, and I'm tell, I'm calling out Kristen again. She uh-huh. needs to bring some gado gado. Okay. The end. The all end. right. And you need to bring some adobo. Okay. Sure. If you're gonna get the whole low hanging fruit. Okay. I know uh, how to make other stuff. <gasps> like what? What are you gonna bring to this potluck? It's a secret. <gasps> <laughs> what? What? But. <laughs> But, okay, fine. Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> I have nothing. I don't... Well, there's some good Cantonese issues that I just well, Vanessa makes a really good joke. Oh, yeah. I haven't done that in a while. She Except makes Thanksgiving. joke after, after Thanksgiving with leftover turkey. coming up. Turkey. Oh, coming nice. Up. Mm-hmm. And if I'm really feeling fancy, then we'll put some dried scallop in there. Oh, that's <laughs> expensive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had to kill a guy. Why, why is dried scallop always more expensive than the fresh ones? It's crazy to me. Also, dried shiitake... It's so expensive. I don't understand it. And because you're getting more... Yeah, more like, the flavor. For the weight basically. also. Basically, like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. No, you're right. You're right. But it just seems wrong. <laughs> but it's still really delicious. There's, there is a lot of flavor in the, the, the dried products. 
and like yeah like uh some dried tomatoes i'm not a big fan of too much for me well then i don't know this this friendship's on the rocks <laughs> it's definite, well first you won't tell me the secret dish you want to make <laughs> and then you will you don't really like sun-dried tomatoes yeah but that's like yeah when you walk into a chinese market it's not just the fish that you smell it's also the dried products mm-hmm. that's how you know it's good mm-hmm. with the smell yeah. <laughs> i don't know what that was and with that sound, well, thank you so much, Edwin, for coming and speaking with us. We really appreciate it. And I'm so happy to have, you know, bridged the gap and gotten to speak to someone who's so knowledgeable. And yeah, this is this is actually a podcast about overcoming our fears. <laughs> <laughs> so her having you on. When was- you leave, we'll <laughs> just continue and reflect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my fear was having peanut on my lap for too long. Oh, just kidding. It was, that's a joke. <laughs> But he fell asleep. Did you see that? Did he? I don't. I don't know. I think so. Okay. He was super calm. Anyways. Well, well, thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Do you have any last words of wisdom? Just keep eating. <laughs> That's well, a good that one. won't be a problem for <laughs> any of us. <laughs> we just did one where we were talking about stress eating. <laughs> so yeah, no way we're gonna have problems with that. But all right. All right. Thanks, Edwin. Thank thanks. you. Thanks. That's looking. <laughs> oh, peanut. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you love feet.